Welcome to episode 254 of The Digital Life, a show about our insights into the future of design and technology. I'm your host, John Follett, and with me is founder and co-host, Dirk Niemeyer. Greetings, listeners. For our podcast topic this week, we're going to chat about automation, potential job losses, and uh, new jobs, and the findings in Barclay's newly released report called Robots at the Gate, Humans and Technology at Work. So, Dirk, last week, Barclays released this uh, you know, 50-page report on some of the automation trends that, you know, that we love to talk about here on the show uh, and digging into both current automation and future automation for a variety of industries, including healthcare, retail, uh, transportation, and financial services. And they also took a look at uh, wage growth in its relation to productivity, as well as uh, some of the trends that are shaping the way jobs get formed over time based on the integration of new technologies. So there's an awful lot in this report, some of which we've uh, reported on or discussed here uh, these trends over the, you know, over the past couple of years. But I thought it was significant that, you know, in sort of a, a meta fashion, we're seeing more and more organizations taking a really hard look at automation. Uh, you know, we're discussing the Barclays report, of course, but uh, last year McKinsey had a, a similar report looking at this as, you know, do other uh, sort of large think tanks and and banks and consultancies. So this is a topic, an economic topic that is on uh, many people's minds, especially uh, those who are uh, influencing our our uh, finances. And I, I thought this was a worthy uh, discussion for us to have today. So let's dig in a little bit to the uh, the the different areas that they uh, analyze, the different industries they analyzed, and then let's talk about some of the the trends here that they uh, 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 sort of postulated as a result of this analysis, because uh, I'm sure we're going to have plenty to say about those. So, as I said, they reviewed a number of industries. Um, what was interesting to me uh, across all of these industries was that the non-routine services were, of course, those that were most difficult to automate. And sort of, uh, if if you're looking at this as a "will my job disappear?" question, um, non-routine jobs seem to be. Uh, the, the quote, safest uh, jobs that you can have. So for example, in the healthcare sector, um, this may not be surprising to, to those in the healthcare sector, but in the, in the healthcare sector, uh, jobs like nursing, where there's a lot of uh, care activities there, th those are just non-routine. There's not the same thing happening over and over again. And there's a lot of uh, sort of unique circumstances that make nursing uh, a job that, you know, sort of requires, uh, you know, a certain level of training and then also the ability to adapt to the situation. So that is a job that is not likely to be automated. Um, whereas in contrast, in financial services, 
you know, in, in that sector, um, there are an awful lot of routine day to day activities that can sort of really, uh, easily be taken on um, by uh, algorithms or uh, other kinds of uh, automation uh, and, and have been over the years. Um, and in fact, I, I was a little surprised in, in retail uh, just how much is uh, sort of routine activities uh, because, you know, so many of these things can be just, you know, broken down into tasks and then, you know, fed into a machine. So I, I think their analysis on the retail sector was some startling amount uh, of uh, potential uh, employment that would be uh, automated. So uh, the number here is uh, they're saying uh, 45% of the industry uh, employment could be automated. And that you know this is this is a huge part of the U.S. labor force right now. This is uh, uh, more than seven percent of the jobs in the U.S. are related to retail. So I thought that was a somewhat eye-opening um, figure. Dirk, in, in, with with these uh, uh, different uh, analyses of automation across industries, what were your takeaways, and did anything strike you as eye-opening? Uh, you've covered a ton of ground. Um, I, 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 one thing to point out is that the routine versus non-routine is is important. It's something that we should get used to thinking and talking about as uh, you know, knowledge workers, creative workers, thinking about work of today and the future. Um, it's just a term and a way of thinking that we should all be thinking about because routine work is going to be increasingly automated and non-routine work is is not. And so as you're looking at the landscape for yourself, listeners, that's the sort of way to think about things. Am I doing routine work? If so, it's more likely to be automated out. And am I doing not routine work? It's it's less likely. Another distinction is between jobs and tasks. You know, as this report indicated, jobs will not be disappearing in large numbers anytime in the short or medium term future. However, um, jobs will be changing. Jobs will be moving. You, you might be doing completely different things. And tasks will be going away and tasks will be changing. So just because jobs aren't going away in some large blanket way doesn't mean that jobs will stay the same. They're going to look very different as the tasks change and as even the routine work of knowledge workers, of creative workers change as well. You know, John, you use the example of nurses as opposed to, you know, sort of financial analysis. And that was a great example because, uh, you know, one of the things that this report did is it broke down the two, the two main factors why people are going to stay ahead of, of robots in particular. Um, and, and those two things are sensor motor skills and cognitive functionality. And I'm just going to read from the report so it's as sort of accurate and, and precise as possible as our listeners are getting a mental model of this stuff. So we have sensor motor skills, which means that people use their senses to process what they see, hear, or touch and act accordingly, often subconsciously. Most robots remain far clumsier than a young child. That's true, and the the physical hardware technology around robotics is moving at a far slower pace than artificial intelligence and the technologies around automating um, 
thought in a certain way. The second thing, cognitive functionality. Much of what humans do daily depends on a capacity to perceive context, learn from experience, and make decisions based on incomplete information. Machines can't yet. And they don't even seem to be close to it. They will, but it's, it's, it certainly isn't here. So when you think about nursing, nursing is all about sensor motor skills and cognitive functionality. It's very physical. It's, you, know, you, you have to kind of know a lot. You have to respond to a lot of things in different ways, respond in ways that are both physical and intellectual. I mean, you know, nursing in some, in some core context is, is going to be here for, for a long time, whereas some of the more rote procedural routine financial things that are really not about the physical world at all. It's just about how a brain would function. Those are going to be encroached on far more quickly. Yeah, I think there's, you know, sort of a realignment of of expectations that that needs to happen around the the way we're discussing automation. And and I think part of it, you, you know, the example that you and I talk about a lot is is the idea of um, you know, like a, a skilled uh, labor job like uh, plumbing, for instance, is going to have, uh, you know, much uh, greater duration and longevity as, a, you know, as, as a job that is not able to be automated versus, you know, some, uh, say, uh, legal assistant job where you're processing lots of documents, say. Um, and so, so when you look at those jobs, that's not immediately the intuitive conclusion that you might draw. You, you might think that manual labor is sort of easy to replace and that, you know, something that requires uh, a training and a degree in law, perhaps, um, might, might be something that, that is going to uh, be sustainable over time, when in fact, just the opposite is true. Uh, because of the nature of the technologies that are advancing so quickly. So I think as part of this conversation around automation uh, that we're having as uh, as a country and as a society, I think um, you know the the routine and non-routine, and then also the uh, sort of the contrast between these uh, jobs that are able to be automated and and jobs that are not, uh, I, I think there's going to be a, uh, a change in the in the way that we're viewing this, and a shift in our view as to you know what what jobs uh, and and what value uh, we place on those jobs, and you know how how we you know sort of plan for uh, maybe what our children are going to be doing in the future. Um, so so we're just at the early stages of this, but I still feel like um, there's this misapprehension of. Uh, what future jobs might look like and what that landscape is. I know I, I was very much surprised, uh, you know, to learn some of these things as uh, I was looking at this report and others. So let's move on to a point that the Barclays report makes uh, about the integration of technologies into our economy and into our society. So we talk a lot on the show about emerging technologies, and uh, you know I always feel uh, there's a uh, a peanut gallery in my head that's saying where's where's all this emerging technology uh, going, and where's the beef? If you remember that uh, that '80s uh, Wendy's commercial, I think it was. You know where's the substance? Uh, when are these emerging technologies going to take hold? 
And uh, the Barclays report gives a good uh, cogent explanation of the great lag, right? The, the time between uh, when a technology is first introduced uh, and, and then the amount of time that it takes for that technology to really take hold and start producing productivity gains. Uh, so, so I can give you a, a fine example from our own studio's work in healthcare. Uh, we're involved a lot in the design of electronic health records, and there was an awful lot of hype and overpromising that went along with the digitization of health records over the past, say, five years as hospitals were adopting those. And when hospitals don't see the productivity uh, increases because of all kinds of process and workflow changes that doctors and nurses and administrators need to get used to, they start wondering, you know, why is it that we're now, you know, possibly even slower processing patients because of these electronic health records? Well, <laughs> it takes a long time for these processes to work their way into the day-to-day -day systems that all the interactions with patients, all of the, the ways in which uh, care is ad administrated. So it, it's, it's very possible that we'll be looking at another three to five years before we really start to see the benefits of this digitization effort. But um, it really caught a lot of people by surprise. Uh, oh my gosh, we spent billions of dollars to digitize our records and we're, <laughs> we're not any faster. Yeah. Um, and if they're sorely disappointed, but this is, this is the great lag. This is the, the gap between, you know, uh, starting to adopt an emerging technology and then realizing the benefits of that technology. Um, and like all things, everybody's impatient, you know, you're not going to pitch an EHR project to a board of directors or what have you at a hospital and say, oh, by the way, the uh, ROI on this, we'll see that in 15 years. How does that sound, guys? Um, none of you are going to be on the board anymore, but that's when it will start bearing fruit. No one's going to sign off on that. Um, but I, I thought Barclays did a good job of summing that up. Dirk, when you think about the great lag, are there any other, you know, sort of areas uh, of, of industry that that you think of where we're uh, sort of seeing the initial technology, but really not seeing any productivity yet? Well, I think I think that's in a lot of areas, and and you know what, what I'm thinking more about is is just that that notion, and particularly your example of how companies spent huge amounts of money on software and enterprise software, and you know became just boondoggles of of a mess um, with maybe eventual expensive results or or oftentimes maybe not, um, unfortunately, and. We're not at that point or even nearing that point yet with the, the sort of smartware technologies that we talk about on the show. They're, they're coming to fruition. They're coming together, but they're not at that point where somebody can take it and sell it to you know, every Joe company around the world. It just, there isn't a solution like that. Um, you know, the, it's an interesting question to think about at the point that there is a solution like that, at the point where there is something where you can make, you know, millions or tens of millions of dollar offers for something that companies perceive that they've got to have, what that's going to look like. It's probably going to be in, in artificial intelligence, and it will probably be a lot cheaper than the, at scale, you know, I mean, it'll be 
um, perhaps more expensive in pure dollars compared to you know enterprise software sales from 20 years ago. Um, but it, I, I think it will be far cheaper um, and probably easier and more successful to implement just based on the lessons from the earlier generation. So the moment isn't here yet. Uh, but it will be coming, and I think it will probably also be less less painful than it was in the past when it when it arrives. Yeah, I have this uh, sort of never ending cynicism that that all uh, software and automation projects will always take twice as long and be twice as expensive as uh, they're they're first made out to be. Um, so. I think there's obviously, you know, as you point out, a long way to go before uh, we start to see these these emerging uh, technologies bear fruit uh, in 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 the way that we're hyping them today. Well, let's just uh, put it that way. Uh, the The last point on the uh, report from Barclays that that I wanted to uh, raise, sort of building on that idea that it's this unexpected um, uh, sort of uh, landscape of jobs that are going to be um, Im important in you know the the both the uh, short and midterm. Um, you know, nursing was was uh, one example, and plumbing was was another. But there's this uh, this idea that routine jobs will eventually have a lower and lower uh, wa wages assigned to those and non-routine jobs uh, will maintain their value. So if you look across industries, uh, and as you uh, pointed out earlier, Dirk, you can start thinking about uh, what what is a, a routine uh, set of tasks and, and what is uh, something that needs to change based on circumstances. What's, what's a task that is always slightly variable um, and, and will be begin to see uh, where the, the sort of valuable jobs in the future lie and uh, you know as a consequence where where the uh, wage support will be um, that's that's probably uh, not going to be readily apparent at first uh, but I think that's uh, you know when we're identifying uh, you know sort of uh, where we need to go where we need to focus, uh, in the future, I think uh, that's going to be a really critical conversation to have. Uh, you know, what jobs are the non-routine ones? Dirk, uh, your take on on all of that? No, that is that is the key question, and I, I mean, a lot of it is is sort of self-evident, right? I mean, service jobs that don't require sort of interactive humanity are. Are the easy ones. I mean, we're already seeing automation of of things like fast food and and grocery stores. I mean, just extend that. You know, something like uh, massage therapy. That's going to be safe because of the physical aspects. Um, it's there's more to it in terms of giving different people of different height, different body type, different situation a good massage. Uh, the, there aren't machines coming for that anytime soon. So, you know, it's really thinking about, you know, what are, what are the jobs in the physical area? You know, those are going to be safer. And then the non-routine, if it's not physical, what's non-routine, think about your day. Think about what are the things you do that you think are busy work or, or you know, what I call administrivia. You know, those things are probably going to be automated by hook or by crook. 
Um, and the things that are less likely to be automated are the things where you, you have to really think hard, where you're using creativity. Some of those things will be automated as well, but it will take more time. Uh, and there will likely be, um, there's certainly in transition and, and possibly much longer than that, be, uh, be contexts where it's you working with the machine. It's not a binary black-white. It's a gray where things that you used to do in a physical way or physical in this case, uh, using the word physical is probably a mistake, so create confusion because we've talked about physical in a different way. But things that you yourself are, are actually doing, you won't necessarily – be doing any more, the machine will augment and, and you'll be doing some, some other things. So no, I think, I think there's, there's lots of possibilities and sort of everyone's situation who's, who's listening to this or thinking about their, their future is a little different. So it's hard to kind of cover all of that, but maybe if you, you know, just think about the types of things that we're talking about here today, it'll give you a good, a good basis to, to consider some of these things and, and how it might impact you too. Listeners, remember that while you're listening to the show, you can follow along with the things that we are mentioning here in real time. Just head over to thedigitallife.com, that's just one L in The Digital Life, and go to the page for this episode. We've included links to pretty much everything mentioned by everybody, so it's a rich information resource to take advantage of while you're listening, or afterward if you're trying to remember something that you liked. You can find The Digital Life on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Player FM, and Google Play. And if you'd like to follow us outside of the show, you can follow me on Twitter at John Follett. That's J-O-N-F-O-L-L-E-T-T. And of course, the whole show is brought to you by GoInvo, a studio designing the future of healthcare and emerging technologies, which you can check out at GoInvo.com. That's G-O-I-N-V-O.com. Dirk? You can follow me on Twitter at dneemeyer. That's at D-K-N-E-M-E-Y-E-R. And thanks so much for listening. So that's it for episode 254 of The Digital Life. For Dirk Niemeyer, I'm John Follett, and we'll see you next time. Mm-hmm.